Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create and grow income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Are you tired of trading your time for money? Do you desire freedom today instead of retirement in 10, 20, or 30 years? I'm MC Lobsher, and this is the Cashflow Ninja. Hello, Cashflow Ninjas. MC Lobsher here, and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today. In today's show, we're going to look at the case for passive investing. Joining me on the show today is my friend Hunter Thompson. Hunter is a full-time real estate investor and founder of ASIM Capital, a private equity firm based out of Los Angeles, California. Since starting ASIM Capital, Hunter has helped more than 250 investors allocate capital to over 100 properties. He has personally raised more than $20 million in private capital and controls more than $60 million of commercial real estate. In addition to his experience as an investor, Hunter is the author of Little Boxes, Big Profits, a passive investor's guide to self-storage. And he's also the host of the Cashflow Connections real estate podcast, which helps investors learn the intricacies of commercial real estate from the comfort of their home, car, or office. If you're interested in joining our investors group, you could go to cashflowninja.com forward slash investors group and fill out an application form and or email me at info at to start the discussion to see if you're a good fit for our group. And if you're in the Philadelphia, Bucks County, and Southern New Jersey area, we are hosting a live investors meetup event every month in Newtown, Pennsylvania. For more information on the monthly event and information on how to join us at our next live event, you could go to cashflowninja.com forward slash events. If you are like many of the listeners of the show, you're always looking for unique ways to protect and grow your hard-earned capital. But sometimes that's easier said than done. The key to investing late in the cycle is identifying favorable opportunities on a risk-adjusted basis. That's where our friends at ASIM Capital come in. Since 2011, ASIM has helped more than 300 accredited investors allocate more than $20 million to mobile home parks, self-storage, and workforce housing due to the ability to generate asymmetric returns while protecting their investors' portfolios. If you're interested in learning more, head over to asymcapital.com. That's A-S-Y-M-Capital.com to get instant access to their investment offerings. MC Lobshier, the host of the Cashflow Ninja podcast and also the president and chief wealth and investment strategist of Producers Wealth, where we help our clients integrate cashflow banking, also known as infinite banking, with their business and investments. If you're interested in learning more about how we create strategies that integrate cashflow banking and investments to turbocharge them, you can access a video series at yourownbankingsystem.com. That's yourownbankingsystem.com. Hunter, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks again, MT. Honored to be on, obviously. Yeah, always appreciate our conversations and always a pleasure to connect with you. So looking forward to our discussion today. Uh, Hunter, for the new listeners out there that's not familiar with you and what you do, can you please share a little bit about your background and journey? Yeah, sure. So I'm the founder of ASIM Capital, which is a private equity company that helps people invest in vetted passive investments. And it's something that's near and dear to my heart. It's something that almost my entire portfolio, about 90% is invested in passive syndications. And as soon as I figured out the business plan, I was just 
very, very dedicated to help as many people invest in these types of opportunities as possible. Just because of you know the name of my company, I mentioned ASIM Capital. It's just incredibly asymmetric. You can get a very disproportionate return for a really modest risk profile. And anytime you're able to put yourself in that position, over the long term, if you're well diversified, you're going to be able to beat most market dynamics that are otherwise achieved. So, you know, that's a little bit about, you know, what I do professionally. My journey, I started out as an entrepreneur and was very interested in stocks originally, just because of the liquidity and mostly because of the fact that there's so much marketing towards that sector. Quickly had a last straw moment in 2010 when the European debt crisis happened. And essentially, everyone started paying attention to the Greece bond yields all of a sudden out of nowhere, as if that was the main key indicator for all of my financial future. I basically said, there's no way I could have possibly predicted that. This shouldn't have any bearing on my portfolio. I've got to find a vehicle which can actually generate the similar return profile, but not incur those types of risks. And eventually that led me to real estate and that led me eventually to this conversation. Uh, Hunter is also the host of a great podcast, Cashflow Connections. Uh, I would highly encourage listeners to check it out where he shares a lot of these ideas too. Um, the topic that we're going to jump into today, pretty excited about this, is making the case for passive investing. Before we jump into a couple of ideas uh, here that, uh, that Hunter and I had uh, shared of how to maximize value for you, the listener, Hunter, can you share a little bit more on the concept of passive investing and what your definition is of passive investing? Yeah, good question. And this is something that certainly needs to be defined because there's a lot of different definitions for this. But for the purposes of this conversation, when I talk about passive investing, I kind of think a bit like this. For most real estate investments, people most likely buy a property and they may even have a property manager manage that property because they themselves are interfacing with the manager, I would consider that to be a active investing, an active investment. And especially if they're buying the property and managing it themselves, that's on the active side of things. When I talk about passive investing, there's usually a delineation between the LP, which is a limited partner of the passive investor, and the GP, which is the general partner. This is usually someone who is going to be overseeing the entirety of the investment including the sourcing of the investment, the acquisition of the loan, the due diligence on the specifics of the property, the entire business model, and they're going to be ones that are directly interfacing with the property manager. So the point here is that in an active investment, if something goes wrong, even if you have a property manager, if it's a big problem, the property manager will likely call you, the active investor and owner of the property, to see what kind of decision you want to make and what problem it is. With a passive structure, the let's say that there's a toilet that breaks. The manager may call the sponsor, which is the operator in this case, but they will likely never call you the passive investor. If it's a pretty significant issue, you'll probably read about it in a quarterly report as a passive investor, but that's basically it. So the key there is that all the due diligence is the entirety of what you do. It's all done up front. And then once you fund, you should be able to receive passive income. And for me, that's the only way to actually achieve financial freedom. And I know that sounds like a bold statement, but we'll probably get into that a little bit. But generally speaking, the delineation between the GP and the LP is whether or not you're a passive or active investor. Now, the division of labor is 
one of the most important aspects of economics. And when you devise labor and specialize, uh, it results in hyper over allocation, which is the enemy of financial planning and financial freedom you had mentioned. Uh, any further comments on that? Yes. So here's the thing. In business, you have to have a market advantage to be successful, right? And, and many times that market advantage requires specialization. So what do you think about things like the economies of scale? In order to do that, you actually have to be specialized. So the problem with that though, actually, before I even get to the problem with that, I'm talking about when I say this is a great piece of economics, the division of labor, you can Google Milton Friedman, the pencil, and you'll get a clear understanding as how this is so important that it requires people all over the world with different religious beliefs, different political beliefs, even different beliefs about capitalism and the free market. They all have to work together voluntarily to create something as simple as a pencil. Because in order to do that, you need, number one, you need to know how to make a pencil, which almost no one does. You need to know how to get graphite. You need to know how to get wood. You need to know how to get a piece of steel that can cut down a tree that can make wood and then to shave it in a certain, like there's so many things that go into that. And that's something as simple as a pencil. So you don't even have to get into something as complicated as how to get a frozen chicken for $5 across the street before even getting into why the division of labor is so important. Now, the challenge though, when it comes to the division of labor in terms of investing in financial well-being is that when you specialize, it is the antithesis of diversification, which is absolutely critical for financial planning. So when you look at it like that, people need to understand that net worth is not the key to financial planning. Specialization is the enemy to financial planning to a certain degree. And the most extreme example that I've found of this is Ike Batista. For those of you that don't know, Ike Batista was one of the seventh richest people in the world. He was a oil tycoon in Brazil. And now, most likely, everyone listening to this podcast probably has a higher net worth than him. Recently, I saw that his net worth currently went from billions of dollars to negative a billion dollars. So hopefully everyone listening to this has a higher net worth than negative a billion dollars. But my point is, the reason that he was able to gain all that wealth and then also simultaneously lose it over a very short amount of time was that specialization. So even though it may be a good way to create wealth, it is not a good way to create your entire financial portfolio for maintaining that wealth in the future as well. That's a very good point. And the, the, the one thing that I would add to that as well, I think it was it uh, Warren Buffett that also talked about the, you know, people reliant on one income stream will get crushed eventually. And other folks have sp spoken to the importance of that as well. And of course, being on the Cashflow Ninja podcast, we talk about multiple streams of income and so forth in many different areas. What would you say also with the multiple flows or streams of income in one particular asset class? Meaning, so with real estate, there could be a debt position, there could be an equity position. And then obviously, there's many different classes that you can spread it across self-storage, mobile home parks and multifamily and, and, and so forth. Yeah, I think that actually touches on a lot of things. So the key underlying thesis there is not only is it important to get multiple checks from multiple sources, diversification is key. Now, 
That, of course, is something that most financial planners are going to throw around. But let's take a deeper dive into that because diversification on itself can be more complicated and it can be more diversified than like the first pass, let's say. So you just mentioned a couple of asset classes. I think that's a really great place to start. I don't like to have more than 20% of my entire portfolio tied up into one particular asset class. There are many reasons for this. One, the most important, the one that can really crush you is regulation. And that can come completely irrespective of market forces. And the probably the best example of this is the mobile home park business. I am a huge advocate of the mobile home park business and have invested very significantly and have many of our investors as well. But there is, of course, this burden in the back of my mind that one day maybe Elizabeth Warren becomes president and says, selling inexpensive housing is basically illegal because it's taking advantage of poor people. I don't think that's actually that crazy. Maybe five years ago, if I'd said that, most people would laugh. Now, a lot of your listeners are probably more scared and that may be a reality. So my point is a regulation like that can significantly impact a business and you want your entire portfolio to be able to maintain or overcome a challenge like that. But you also have things like geographic location, management strategies, investment strategies, the time horizon. What if you have all of your loans come due in a seven-year period and that seven-year period we're experiencing something similar to 2008. So to have time diversification is critical. And then I also like to have a good combination of debt versus equity. A lot of your listeners are probably familiar with the fact that real estate is a great hedge against inflation. Well, debt, fixed income is actually a great hedge against deflation. Now, granted, deflation doesn't usually last that long and it's usually something that's not super sustained. But if you're trying to build a seven-figure portfolio, good combination of debt versus equity is great. And when you invest in debt, you're not subject to the market volatility as much. Like, for example, a hard money loan where you're investing at 60% loan to value. And But at the end of the day, it's all about that predictability of outcome. That predictability of outcome is created through diversification. So that predictable cash flow. And if you ask most people what they want out of their portfolio, they want two things, a high return profile and a predictability of outcome. And I have found that the most direct route to achieve that is through passive investments and syndications where you get to rely on absolute experts, their time, energy, expertise, and access to capital, and still get a significant portion of the return profile. So I'm a huge proponent of it. Yeah, I like that um, the point that you make about the predictability of outcome because it's also that um, certainty that you have, right? So we talk a lot about, you know, when you're building an overall strategy, a wealth strategy is to have a foundational base of certainty, certain security measures in place, having all of those ducks in a row, quote unquote. And then on top of that, having control, like you just said, over and, and putting it with the cash flow ninjas, the, the the group of experts in their particular asset clause, to then have that predictable predictability of outcome um, as far as income streams. Yeah, totally agree. And, and just to expand on that really quickly, I think that two things: there may be some, and I know there are some very savvy investors who listen to this show, and these are people that are very business savvy. That if they put their mind towards something, they can be an absolute expert in that thing. So when there are people that have had success in real estate and they know that they are investor savvy and they are business savvy and they've had a track record of success, sometimes it's hard for them to realize that other people 
are equally as talented as them, but they've been only pursuing one particular investment thesis for the last 20 or 30 years. Then it starts to become more and more compelling. In fact, I would make the argument that when you're investing in highly sophisticated operators or sponsors, they should actually more than make up for their percentage of the deal that they're paid for completing the execution of the business plan so that the return profile is actually comparable to if you did it yourself, but it doesn't at all incorporate not only the risks associated with being on the general partnership, such as the liability associated with putting your personal credit up or the liability associated with what happens if something goes wrong on the property. Just to clarify, if someone were to have a big accident on a property that you passively invested in, you would not be pursued from a liability standpoint because you are not in charge of the oversight on a day-to-day basis of that property. Only the general partner could be. So you're removing that risk entirely from the investment thesis, but also your time is not needed for the implementation of the business plan. So just to reiterate reiterate that point, because I think it's important, the return profile may be somewhat similar. The time component is completely eliminated and the risk component is mitigated to a point where it's most attorneys would say it's not a function of the investment. And this is all to say that there are certain operators, at least the ones that we work with, where I would have to exclusively focus only on the mobile home park business to be roughly half as good as most of the operators that we work with. I think that's honestly a realistic estimation of the value that they're bringing to the table. So you're starting to paint a picture where not only is diversification key and achieved through this route, it's also the return profile is similar. And then your time is freed up to do things that you love. Now, what you love may be to be an operator and be an active investor in real estate. It also may be to go on vacation, spend time with your family and loved ones or a combination of both. Uh, it really is the vehicle by which to achieve both of those goals. You're listening to The Cashflow Ninja, the show helping people all over the world create monthly cash flow and achieve freedom today, not in 10, 20, 30, and or 40 years. This is the show where cash is not king, but cash flow is king. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. Are you having a hard time finding great investment properties? Unfortunately, the best deals are rarely found locally. Successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best deals across the United States. Our simple proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly cash flow. Learn how to find the best deals by downloading your free copy of The Ultimate Guide to Passive Real Estate Investing at noradarealestate.com. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com. Life settlement investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually, but also diversify their capital from any economic, market, and geopolitical risk. It's been part of the billion-dollar blueprint followed by institutional investors. And if you're an accredited investor, you can also now participate in this vehicle with enormous growth potential. You can watch an informational webinar presented by one of the premier organizations providing life settlement investments for number of solutions at cashflowninja.com forward slash life settlements. You're listening to The Cashflow Ninja, the show helping people all over the world create monthly cash flow and achieve freedom today, not in 10, 20, 30, and or 40 years. This is a show where cash is not king, but cash flow is king. Now let's return to our interview. Makes such a great point. So 
in my experience too, learning the the business from the from the ground up basically, and I had an insight and a very successful firm in Chicago where they bought a lot of multifamily buildings. And basically, if anything were to move or anyone was just thinking of selling a, a, a large multifamily building on, an, on the north side of Chicago, those guys would already know about it. <laughs> and the owner would already sit down. He would have already sat down with them. And, and by the way, if he was even considering it of selling that, that building, you know, in the next 12 months, you would have probably reached out to those guys just because they were in, in they were the, the go-to folks in that network because they knew everyone that bought and sold properties and they were buying those properties themselves as well. And the reason why I'm sharing this is what I saw firsthand is what you just said. They are masters in that space. Now, there's a couple of ways that you can, that you can jump into that game. You could either, A, you know, as a weekend warrior, try to compete against those guys, which would be like, you know, <laughs> strapping, strapping on some boots and trying to, you know, playing the NFL on the weekend against guys. Or as a passive investor, knowing that these guys are absolute ninjas in that space, in that area, in that asset class, invest with them as a passive investor. Yeah, absolutely. And then I think that that's one thing that most people don't consider. Like, in most real estate investments, the one way that you can really have a challenge is suffering some sort of loss of principle. And so you think about the ways that loss of principle can incur. Yes, a foreclosure can be a big one, right? So we'll talk about that one in a second because I think you just touched another point that makes the case that the foreclosure is less likely in a passive approach. But putting that on pause for a moment, the other way is to have a really serious litigation take place on your property. Or, or your person. And so you're looking at some of the billionaires and centimillionaires of the world. It's common over a large enough time horizon that you will face some sort of litigation if you're an active investor, if you're the managing member of an LLC. So if you can limit that portion of your liability to only your active investments and have a significant amount of your net worth tied up in passive investments, which simply do not incur that liability, it starts to make the case that over the long, you know, 50, 60, 100 year time horizon, when you start thinking about you and your heirs, uh, the, the case becomes more and more compelling. Now, you just mentioned something that I don't think gets talked enough about in this conversation, which is not only is it the systems and the processes in terms of due diligence and such and underwriting, which, you know, someone that's business savvy can do, the relationships that track record of results, what they have formed through personal relationships is really, really important, especially when things go sideways. So you mentioned your friends that have the large multifamily business. You mentioned that anytime anyone wants to sell, they're going to probably call them. In fact, they may even call them before they want to sell because they want to know what they can get for the property. That's an incredible deal flow. But when things go sideways, when we have this correction that you and I have been talking about for the last five years, all of a sudden, it's not about who knows how to underwrite the best. It's not about who knows what software to use to get the most out of your employees. It's about who is your friends? Who knows how to solve this problem and who do I want to work with? So it's what lender is going to help me refinance this loan within the next 30 days because we're having a liquidity crisis. What buyers do I know that we've already have a relationship, already been able to close? What sellers are reaching out to me first because they know that I'll be able to solve their problem? That all of a sudden 
it's no way to put those things in an Excel model, but ask anyone that's ever been through a major challenge in real estate. Who was there to help them solve the problem? A business associate that they had built a personal relationship with previously. It's just impossible to scale those relationships. So it's really great to leverage that as well with the active investors. That's so powerful. Um, and I appreciate you, you going a little bit deeper into that because it's just so true. And there's just no way for one person to be able to do that in, <laughs> you know, be that built up such a network with in one specific area all over the place. So that's why um, as a passive investor, finding a, a cash flow ninja um, is so, so important. Um, any final thoughts um, as far as uh, protecting the downside? You've mentioned a little bit of, of eliminating that, but any final thoughts on making this case for passive investing with regards to all the time being an active investor? Yeah. So again, I, I would say that I have had the pleasure of speaking with a lot of really sophisticated investors. Um, my brand caters to people that are really sophisticated in the sector. Uh, our podcast, like you mentioned, it tends to be much more deep than some of the competitors that are out there. I know it's a very, uh, you and I love to be industry leaders, but there's a lot of new people that have started podcasts recently, which I'm ex very excited to see. Um, my point is our particular show a lot of one-hour conversations with securities attorneys, a lot of one-hour conversations with economists that if you're not already really interested in the topic, you'll probably just move on with your life, which is cool because that means that the conversations I get to have with people are very, very deep and coming from a place of, of significant interest, which I love to do. The challenge though is that sometimes we have investors that have created a significant net worth that have trouble letting go of the reins. And so part of this conversation, I just wanted to make the case that that's really a wise thing to do because here's the thing no matter how sophisticated you are you can't beat math the fact that a few properties may go wrong every once in a while should not destroy your financial well-being even if you have a tremendous market advantage so much so that you could be ike batista so that every time you say oil is going to go to a certain number it just happens to be so because just because of the fact that you said it there it goes. I mean, that's what's defined to be a market mover. And I don't think anyone listening to this would say that Ike Batista wasn't a market mover. He had a hyper-socialization and a complete market advantage. And he ended up doing something that none of us would ever want to do with our portfolio or have our family go through something like that. So as you start to have these conversations with investors, or, or if you, you yourself are considering investing passively, just remember that story because regardless of the market advantage, it can happen. One other thing I wanted to address real, real quick, because I think in this entire conversation, you may be listening to this uh, thinking, how can, I, how can I, Hunter Thompson, you know, have a market advantage if I haven't specialized? Um, but the reality is that I have specialized. In fact, I'm hyper-specialized. I'm hyper-specialized investing commercial assets. And my specialty is identifying quality operating partners and conducting due diligence on them rather than the specifics of the property. Now, of course, we do both, but a huge value add is curating those relationships communicating with investors, explaining the benefits of particular asset classes, underwriting particular deals, but not actually implementing the business plan. And that's where, you know, we fit in the marketplace. And for new listeners, we've touched um, on the show before, Hunter and I talked about how do you vet basically operators and some due diligence 
checklist. I would highly recommend you check it out. If you go to cashflowninja.com, you just type in Hunter Thompson. There's a couple of episodes on there. One of them touches on the due diligence specifically. Hunter, you recently rebranded from Cashflow Connection uh, to ASIM Capital, um, which is, as you mentioned, short for asymmetric returns. Um, what was the process like? <laughs> well, I yeah. know it's always ongoing, right? Because I went through right. one of those as well. Maybe you can share a little bit more about that experience and um, uh, elaborate a little bit more what you guys are all about. Yeah, sure. So I originally found the company, we were called Cashflow Connections, which is the name of our podcast. And part of the reason for that is all about connecting people to cash flow, which I think, especially back then, made a lot of sense in terms of what we were functionally doing. Um, we've matured a lot as a company and grown pretty significantly from five investors to 10 investors. Now we have more than 300 that are actively invested and will likely come across 100 million or so under management in the next six months or so, depending on how the next couple of uh, funds we put together go, but very close to that number now. Um, we just think that it was time to make the change and we have always been looking for asymmetric returns for our investors. I think that that is something that you really, really find across the real estate sector. It was pretty surprising that it wasn't already <laughs> taken and the URL was available. But you know, when it's late in the cycle, I think it's really important to consider all of your options and you'd be very wise to do so. But a lot of reflection, if I have six figures sitting in a checking account, functionally, I have invested in cash and the certainty of outcome is extremely high. That predictability of outcome is extremely high, but the return profile is literally negative. It's almost guaranteed that'll be negative. On the other side of the spectrum, you have things like investing in startups where the predictability of outcome is basically zero and the return profile could potentially be high, but the predictability of outcome is really important. So most of our investors just aren't interested in that. With real estate, you have this pretty phenomenal situation where if we underwrite a deal and it turns out that it will likely produce a 15% IRR, which I think is relatively reasonable uh, given our particular investment thesis. When we conduct sensitivity analysis, we can find a way that that deal may yield, let's say a 5% return or a 6% return. And on the other side of that, it may yield, let's say a 19% IRR. But we would have to push the sensitivity analysis in such a way in order to result in a foreclosure or a negative outcome that we just feel really confident that our deals are a wise choice when faced with the other opportunities that are out there. And that's what you have to compare it to, especially if you're comparing investing real estate to investing in cash or investing in real estate to investing in a blue chip stock, which is what most of our investors are doing. Otherwise, you know, we feel really comfortable continuing to look for deals in that investment risk profile because you know, anyone could have started a company in 2008, generated 22% returns for four years, and then closed shop. That's not what our goal is. Our goal as a company is to create generational wealth for our investors over the next 60 years. And so that speaks to the name. Sorry about the rant. It's something I'm very passionate about, but I appreciate you letting me finish that thought. No, I, I, I love it. And because to your point, I, I think it was Warren Buffett that said too, by doing nothing, you're doing something as well, right? Yes, so exactly. You, yeah. The so trade-off is there. Yeah. 
Exactly. So whatever you're doing, even if you're doing nothing, you're, you're, you're doing something. You'd mentioned the market cycle, and I always enjoy speaking to you about this, and we've had conversations. And what are some of the things that you're seeing out there right now? What are some of the things um, that um, people are talking about that they see in your network and also some of the guests that you've had on your show? Well, yeah, that's one of the benefits, as, as you know, and I'm sure you're a huge proponent of, of just being able to talk to experts in a variety of different asset classes and a variety of different viewpoints on the economy. And so having that show has really helped this for me. And a reoccurring theme that I've seen is there seems to be two camps based on the people that I'm talked to. And granted, I select them. So we're already kind of on the same page because I want to talk to people I respect and want to learn from. But there is a camp of people that generally holds a significant and systematic bearish approach to pretty much everything. You know, people, I, I don't want to name names, but you know, people that are always claiming that the sky is going to fall. And usually those guys have some really great points to make. The challenge is it's hard to make an investment thesis around that. The other camp, at least the people that I like to talk to, are pretty confident that with the right investment thesis and with the appropriate debt financing, that there's a lot of money to be made in the sector still. And so that's what we look for. We look for great deals that have a lot of downside protection. There's a lot of demand for the product, but more importantly, the loans have to be conservative. Because if you can remove that loss of principal, which is usually generated by a foreclosure, then you're starting to see a sensitivity analysis, which, you know, worst case scenario, you know, I don't want to put that in legal documents, but worst case scenario in terms of my perspective, you know, that 4%, 5% return would come reality, but not that negative 40%, which we saw in 2008 with the stock market. Right, right. And of course, you know, we see a lot of stuff in the economy and with markets as far as we, we are right now. So there's, there's a lot of volatility <laughs> is, is what I would say, uh, would, yeah. would, would say right now. And uh, there'll probably be continued to, to be volatility for a little bit. Yeah, completely agree. But the uncertainty is what causes the volatility because you have this constant whipsaw of thinking that if you're going to miss out, you're going to miss out and then it starts to happen and you're like, no, this is way worse than I thought. I've got to buy in. And then you start to think, oh no, I bought in too late. And so that the volatility is created by the fear index and the fear is both on both sides of the spectrum, the fear of missing out and the fear of buying something for too much, way more than it worth. So I do think, you know, personally, and this is just my perspective, I do think that we have had a really favorable run-up. Obviously, it's been very long, but I think that the lack of the lending market going crazy may create an interesting opportunity for us to do the one thing that real estate is incredible at doing at, is not generating wild 20% annual appreciation, but generating that slow and steady 3 to 5% appreciation, depending on which market, and the opportunity for cash flow. And if you can do that, again, you can generate the two things that most investors want, that predictability of outcome and that increased ROI. So that's really the goal. Fantastic. Hunter, as always, a pleasure to speak with you. Uh, where can listeners learn more about you, your firm? Where can they stay in touch and be informed of all of the projects that you're involved with? Because I know there's a, there's a couple of events and I don't, um, I don't know if you want to touch on that as well, um, uh, events at conferences that you guys will be at and speaking at as well. Yeah, sure. So again, MC, it's obviously an honor to be on the show. I always enjoy our conversation. I'm sure this happens a lot, but as soon as you and I get together, it's like we just got to start pressing record as soon as we jump on the call because we're always talking about interesting stuff before and after the call. So again, thank you so much for the opportunity. Uh, it's 
Hunter Thompson and his cashflowconnections.com, which is the uh, website for the podcast. And you can visit us at asymcapital.com. That's A-S-Y-M capital.com. All of our information and links and podcasts and articles we've written are there. And uh, depending on what time of the year it is, we do have our best um, <laughs> I just spoke at the best ever conference. The name of our conference is the Intelligent Investors Real Estate Conference, which is going to be in Los Angeles, California, probably in January of 2020. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much again for the value that you continue uh, to provide uh, with our in our conversations and for our listeners out there. Always a pleasure. Life settlement investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually, but also diversify their capital from any economic, market, and geopolitical risk. It's been part of the billion-dollar blueprint followed by institutional investors. And if you're an accredited investor, you can also now participate in this vehicle with enormous growth potential. You can watch an informational webinar presented by one of the premier organizations providing life settlement investments for number of solutions at cashflowninja.com forward slash life settlements. Thank you again for joining me on the Cashflow Ninja. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here, please subscribe, rate, and write a review for our show on iTunes and share our show with family, friends, and your network. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter at CashflowNinja.com. I want to thank you for spending your most precious resource with me today, your time. Until next time, my friend, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation, and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.